Hey, thanks for joining me here today on the Mountain State Patriot Podcast. My name's Lee. I'm a born and raised West Virginian, and I'm proud to call the Mountain State my home. I'm also a proud conservative and patriot who believes in the Constitution, proud in our American heritage, and the good Lord above. In today's episode, we'll be discussing issues related to the Second Amendment, and I have with me today a fellow patriot, Charlie, who's going to be joining us. Um, in this and future episodes. How are you today, Charlie? I'm good, and you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, so I think we um, probably should get started. What do you think, by reading the Second Amendment, just making sure we're all on the same page with that? Yeah. All right. So, Amendment 2, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So what are your thoughts on that, Charlie? I, I know um, I've heard a lot about the shall not be infringed lately. Yeah. The, the thing that, the one thing I have read and seen consistently among gun owners or pro-gun people is shall not be infringed is nowhere else in the Constitution or any amendment. Anywhere else, it's just shall not be infringed is, is plain out and simple. The, uh, I mean, it's all, you can't explain it anyway. Mm-hmm. Way, really. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree. And, and I think, um, you know, they couldn't really state it any more plainly than that. And I did see a meme recently, which I know memes don't come across very well on a, an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did see a meme recently, and it, it maybe had a little bit of language I won't use, but it was talking about how you know, all of the forefathers were sitting there and they were discussing the Second Amendment and one of them's like, do you think we need to clarify that anymore? And somebody else was like, uh, I think that, you know, says it pretty clearly. Of course, yeah. like I said, the language is a little more flowered in their meme. But, yeah. but I mean, truly. I, I mean, we, um, we can all agree that nobody needs, no civilian really needs uh, access to a tank or a mm. bazooka. But, you know, as far as an arm, Shall not be infringed if you want to choose it to protect yourself and your family, no matter what it is. You should have the right to do so. Right. And it don't matter whether you choose an AR-15. Mm-hmm. And, and the government itself, right now, with all the rioting and everything that has went on, they have proven beyond a doubt that you have to protect yourself. That's true. So, That's a good point. You know, it's not a, uh, again, shall not be infringed. Mm-hmm. You have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness as far as that happiness is being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Exactly. That's exactly right. And and I think that our, I, I'll take it a step further to say that I've read some things, that, and personally I think our forefathers knew what they were doing in so many ways, and the fact to say that we needed um, a well-regulated militia, they knew exactly what could Man. potentially happen. They lived it, and, and they were trying to make sure that it didn't happen again, so... You know, I definitely think that our Second Amendment rights, and, and if you think about other countries across the world, you know, we are one of the few. There are many, many, many countries, you know, I don't think there's another country in the world that has the number of weapons and ammunition in civilian hands that we do in our country. Well, that goes all the way back to World War II, one of the reasons why Japan didn't uh, invade mainland United States. Mm-hmm. You had 700,000 people in Wisconsin. 250,000 or so in Pennsylvania, 100,000 West Virginia. Those three or four states, I don't remember the other state or two, 
but there was like four states or five states that had 750,000 weapons or more. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like the third or fourth biggest army in the world. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, exactly. And in addition to that, I think, now I personally am not a big, um, I mean, I, I own guns and I, I obviously am a, a supporter of, you know, being able to hunt and protect yourself and all of that. But I do know there's other people who, who own um, guns just basically as, as almost like a hobby. Um, you know, they like to either build them or, or buy them, collect them. Um, you know, perhaps they're, they're saving, you know, it looks like a, a family heirloom kind of thing wow. that's been handed down. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons that, that people own firearms. And, and I think, again, just going back to that shall not be infringed, I really think that kind of covers all of those reasons. You do, and uh, people target shooting and skeet shooting. Mm -hmm. The target pistol competitions that go on throughout the world. Um, well, yeah, I mean, WVU, the rifle yeah, team. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, they're world-renowned, basically, yeah. so just, you're right. Uh, they just finished fourth last weekend in the nation, which uh, is down a little bit for us, but everybody will be returning. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Another year and are about to win. They'll be in really good shape, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely, I, I think a there's... track with still rifle-related. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to put that in there. Everybody wants to hear about yeah. the Mountaineers. All right, well, what do you think maybe perhaps the next um, next step might be for us to share with those listening if they're not familiar with the um, the bills that are, the legislation that's currently active in yeah. either the House or the Senate? Um, I think maybe it would be a good idea to kind of share with everybody what those are. Absolutely. Um, I know we have House Resolution 8, House Resolution 1446, and House Resolution 127. Now, I'll let you do a little bit of the summary, but I'll, I'll just go um, into the detail of saying that House Resolution 8 and 1446 both are background check related resolutions, and they have both passed the House and are now in the United States Senate and will be voted upon, I would assume, you know, relatively soon, especially considering everything going on recently in, in the nation. Um, you know, I, I definitely think those will be coming to the forefront and being voted upon soon. House Resolution, House Resolution 127, however, has not made it out of the, the House of Representatives. It is still in, I believe it's still in committee. I don't think it's even made it out of committee yet. Um, and that one's a pretty intense one. But, but 8 and 1446 are, they have their own, um, intensity level, I guess I'll say. So if you want to, to kind of share a little bit about, um, especially 8 and 1446. All right. Uh, H.R. 8 is bipartisan background checks of 2019. It was actually brought forward in the 116th Congress and it was reintroduced this year. It has passed the House and is innocent, as you said. It will require any transfer of a firearm any transfer. It doesn't matter if you're going down to shoot the park and you give your son your gun, it has to go through a full same fees, paperwork, and permit process as buying a new gun would. Uh, <coughs> again, when your son brings it back and it's at your house or your friend, in this instance, let's say friend because uh, it's actually coming back to the same house. If your friend takes it, takes it to our house, and when they bring it back the next day or the next weekend, you have to go to the gun store, and you have to have it transferred back into your name. 
the uh, consequence of all this is, uh, well, obviously the only reason to track it that well is so the government knows exactly where your guns is. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, when we were doing some research here, uh, Garland was... Yeah, uh, Mary Garland. There's Attorney General. It's worth all, all of you need to keep in mind that when it comes to doing permit work, it's all federal. It is all federal permit records. And the ultimate say is that Garland, what's his name? Yeah. Merrick? Merrick Garland, United Merrick, States Merrick Garland. Attorney General. He is the new United States uh, Attorney General. Mm -hmm. He was approved by both Manchin and Capetto. Mm -hmm. And he has a solid, solid, non-gun-loving record. He does not. Uh, one of the things we read there a while ago was uh, completely anti-gun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sen Senator Shelley Capito, she was one of 20 Republican senators who voted to confirm Merrick Garland as the new Attorney General in Biden's administration, or as we are supposed to call it now, the Biden-Harris administration. Um, Garland definitely has a history of opposing gun rights. He actually is a failed Supreme Court nominee under the Obama administration. Um, and, and again, just a very long history of supporting anti-Second Amendment legislation of all kinds. And again, under H.R. 8, if you loan a firearm to someone without going through the process at the gun store, transferring it back and forth, even if... Uh, they're coming back from target shooting. They get pulled over. They don't have the gun cased. Uh, if they happen to be, it, whatever you've done, whatever they're guilty of at that moment, even if it's just carrying an uncased gun, the penalty you will receive will be the same as selling that gun to the uh, armed, violent convict. It's the only way it'll be legal is if you transfer it by the FFL only. Mm, yeah, a federally licensed firearms dealer basically right yeah yeah federal firearms license ffl and, and i mean basically this this is it, it gets as intense um with this hr8 as being you know, not being able to let your you know your brother or your sister borrow your your weapon or your um let's say you know your uncle wants to go hunting or something like that it's you know there's no more saying, oh, yeah, sure, you know, you can borrow my, my gun. You know, just come on over and, and pick it up. Yeah. And there's no more of that with H.R. 8. From this point forward, if it passes the Senate, and, of course, if it does pass the Senate, it will be signed into law by Joe Biden. Um, so if that, you know, if that does occur, this H.R. 8 would say that no longer can you just allow them to borrow it. No longer could you hand a gun to someone, like I, I even heard something as intense as if you're at a shooting range, you can't even hand it to someone, you know, next to you and allow them to, to take a, you know, take a, an opportunity yeah. to shoot the gun. Hey, I've never you, shot that caliber before. Can yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you give it to me, it's, you, it's the same as selling it to a convict. Yeah, to hand That's it over to someone else without going through that federal firearms license, you know, a gun shop owner and filling out the permit and all that, you know, that it entails. And I do believe there's actually a fee each time that form is filled out, I saw. Um, yeah. But without doing that, that's now illegal. So, I mean, that just kind of, it kind of blows my mind to think that that could be something that, you know, could become signed into law in our country. And I will say that of the, of the three that we'll discuss today, H.R. 8, H.R. 1446, and H.R. 127, 
I believe HR 8 was listed on the uh, govtrack.us, which is that website that I mentioned uh, last time as well, in the last episode of the podcast. It's a really great website to, to kind of give you all kinds of information. And, I mean, you can find out everything you want to know about a bill that is currently, um, you know, legislation that is currently active um, in Congress. And I believe it said that HR 8 is the one that has an 88% chance of passing. Yes. Um, the Senate. So that one is, I mean, that means we we really need to be talking to our representatives and letting them know how we feel about it. If you don't agree with, you know, having to go to a gun store and fill out a permit to let your neighbor or your, you know, relative or whatever borrow your weapon, then you definitely need to be contacting Shelley Moore Capito and especially Senator Manchin uh, because he actually is, is very much, um, he's one of those flip-floppy Democrats. And everything right <laughs> yeah, now. he could go either way, and they're they're pushing him hard. The Democrats are riding him hard to make sure he's on board with this gun legislation. So we need to let him know, as as West Virginia citizens, we need to let him know how we feel. Because again, like like I always say, it is his responsibility to represent us, not for him to go down there and talk about how he feels about this or what he thinks is right. It's about him making sure that he is representing us and what we feel is appropriate. Exactly. The other thing is uh, he is basically a linchpin in the filibuster and that may be the, actually be the key vote to begin with because if he flips on the filibuster vote, which he has always said he will not do, if he flips on that then these will be passed with 54 votes instead of being passed with 60 votes. So, you know, you, you, may, you really, really want to keep your eye on Joe. Uh, I mean, uh, he, he sadly disappointed me long ago, and he will never get another vote of mine no matter what, just simply because I don't view him as a true patriot of the state of West Virginia. I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Obviously, that don't have to be my opinion forced on anybody, but there's my two cents worth. It might only be worth a penny, but. <laughs> uh, now, uh, let's go into H.R. 1446. Yes. The Enhanced Background uh, Checks Act of 2021. This shows the so-called Charleston loophole. Mm-hmm. It will expand your wait period from up to three days, possibly ten days. Or longer. Or longer. It's worth noting that this originally was proposed to be 20 days, it's some 800% increase in time over uh, what they currently have of three days. The other thing that throws into this, I mean, there's several factors I'm contemplating here and what I want to bring up is most important. But number one in my mind is that 800% figure. They did that and they settled for 10, but that's still a 330% increase in the number of days. And as Lee and I have discussed off mic, uh, one of the things that uh, they said was business days will not count. Well, it's, it's business days only. No, business yeah. days. Yeah, weekends, weekends won't count. Right. I, I misspeak. Weekends and holidays don't count. So that 10 days is 10 business, business days. days. Not, you know, not including. So that means if you you know, fill out an application for a background check because you want to purchase a firearm. 
that means 10 business days. That doesn't so, mean, you know, 10 straight days. So that, no that actually, you look at it, it's yeah, a month. yeah, exactly. You're, you're looking at about two weeks there. And then mm. what is it? It's the, it's the 10 days. And then if they, if the government doesn't get back to you, if the FBI doesn't get back to that federal firearms dealer, licensed dealer and say, yes, you can, you know, you can sell the gun to them. If, if they don't get back in those 10 business days, then the requirement is on the buyer. On the buyer, yeah, exactly. So it's no, it's no longer currently the way the the laws are. Is it's the three days? You know, the the government, the FBI has three days to get back to that dealer and say yes or no. And if they don't get back in those three days, then it's an automatic yes. Then then the dealer can go ahead and sell you the gun. Oh. But with this, it's going to increase that to ten days. And then if those ten days are pass, and the government still hasn't gotten back to the dealer with an answer then it's upon the buyer to contact the government and petition again and say, hey, you know, you didn't get back to the dealer. I need you to, you know, please answer whether or not I can purchase this gun. And then it's another 10 business days that they have to respond. Um, now, after that, after that additional 10 business days, if they don't respond, then it can go through. Um, but you're, you're looking at 20 business days, which is, you know, a month, basically. At no. least a month. Um, so, I mean, it is significantly increasing the amount of time you have to wait. And it's putting a lot more responsibility on the buyer because, you know, you've already filled out the ap application and done everything you need to do, but... And you've paid them the money to yeah. do what they're supposed to do. Exactly. And exactly. that, that no, no, they're not necessarily going to do that. That's right. I, I just can't... You know, there's, there's so much stuff. It, it's so deep that... that even as we scratch the surface of this and you smell how bad it stinks, you know, shall not be infringed comes in at every point of every everything you read here. Mm -hmm. You know, you got you got three days. All right, well, we done get now from our standpoint as gun owners, we have said, okay, you take three days to decide if that's what you need to let everybody know, and every gun law in the country, it is never gonna be any more illegal to kill somebody tomorrow in the future than it is today. It's just not gonna be any more illegal. You're not gonna keep somebody from harming people that wanna do harm to others. Mm -hmm. You're just not gonna do that. Yeah. And uh, It's more a matter of citizens, of United States citizens, of West Virginia citizens, saying, okay, we agree, We'll wait that three days because yeah. we're trying to do what, what we feel is right. What's right. Trying to do what's right, exactly. But like the government, anytime you give them an inch, they want to take six miles. Ain't that the truth? But, yeah. but, but the money to pay that six miles got to come out of the taxpayer's pocket. Yeah. So. I, I will say there's a, I have a quote here I wanted to share. Um, it's about why the H.R. 1446 is a bad idea, why that bill is a bad idea. And this quote is from Larry Keene. He's the Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs and the Assistant Secretary and General Counsel to the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And he summarized the problems with this bill really well when he said, this bill increases the burden on small business firearm retail owners and flips the burden of proof on its head. This would make it incumbent upon the law-abiding citizen to prove his or her innocence to the government to exercise their Second Amendment right to purchase a firearm instead of the government being responsible for proving an individual is prohibited. This could potentially deny a law-abiding citizen their rights for up to a month while they are saddled with the burden of proving their innocence. That's un-American. Yes, I mean, I think that, that quote just totally 
you know, sums it up very, very well about why 1446 is not, not really a good idea. It's not really improving anything. All it's doing is putting more burden on the, the uh, purchaser and giving the government way more power, um, well, you know, in, in their say on the process of you purchasing a, a firearm. If that's not infringement, what is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, in Congress.gov, you can find most of these, uh, well, you can find them all, summaries of the various acts. Mm -hmm. It's Congress.gov. I will read there. Introduced to the House, 3121 was the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021. And uh, following is the summary. This bill revises background check requirements applicable to proposed firearm tra transfers from the Federal Firearms Licensee example, a licensed gun dealer, to an unlicensed person. Specifically, it increases the amount of time from three business days to a minimum of 10 business days. That a federal firearms licensee must wait to receive a completed background check prior to transferring a firearm to an unlicensed person. This type of transaction also referred to as default proceeds transaction. If a submitted background check remains incomplete after 10 days, and a complete purchaser may submit a petition for a final firearms eligibility determination. If an additional 10 days without the elapsed determination, then the federal licensee may finally at that point transfer. But they have up to 20 days to make you wait, as Lisa yeah. just said. And business Again, days at that. Yeah, business days. And as I said, you, you can look that up on congress.gov. Uh, I think when I just little talk back over a little bit of what you just said, but uh, that was unintentional, but no, anyway, we want to cover, we, exactly. the whole point of this is to cover it as much as possible, and we're going to be honest with you, I was sitting here doing research, and the amount of tail chasing you have to do mm -hmm. is unbelievable, and of course, you have got to be a lawyer reading most of this stuff, which I am not, not even close, I don't even play one on TV, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, it's just it's really confusing. It is the way it's written, and then uh, if you watch the news, uh, fourteen forty six is the bill that is being referred to as the Charleston loophole. You won't even hear the numbers if you listen to it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, they they're just doing their best to. The only thing I can really confuse think of and, is, and conceal. I yeah, think. confuse and conceal. Yeah, that's yeah. That's much better word than I was going to use because I, I was going to use a uh, saying my great grandfather used to use. It was uh, if you can't dazzle them brilliance, that bathroom was bullshit. <laughs> I mean, and that's where we're at, people. We really are, and they just keep feeding it's us the true. crap and think we're just going to grow like a bunch of mushrooms. Yeah. It ain't happening. Well, I think uh, I think this is a good place to put that quote that you found in here. This is a quote by Chris Fussell. He is a former Navy SEAL. And his quote is, in any bureaucracy, there's a natural tendency to let the system become an excuse for inaction. Absolutely. And that right there, that's, that's referring to us as the citizens. You know, if, if we, and I'll be completely honest, like I've, I've been very honest in this, um, you know, every episode of this podcast that I'm waking up. You know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where, and have been to the point for a little while now where I'm I'm looking everything up. I don't trust anything. I make sure for myself. I find that information out for myself. But for a long time, I wasn't doing that. I was kind of turning a blind eye. I didn't want to hear it. It was too complicated. It was too confusing. 
It honestly pissed me off half the time when I was trying to keep track of what was going on in our government. So especially, you know, during the Obama administration, I kind of just turned a blind eye and, and really felt like my level of patriotism plummeted, to be honest. But that's, that's not a good excuse. I, I was wrong. I should not have done that. And just like that quote says, you know, we can't let the bureaucracy, we can't let everything that's going on that isn't okay be the reason that we don't keep track, that we don't pay attention, that we don't do what we're supposed to do as citizens and, and really hold our representatives accountable. Yes. The, uh, well, just like us researching this, the amount of time that we went through and and obviously, I'm, this is my first podcast ever, and my thoughts are a little scatterbrained anyway, but that's just with age. <laughs> the amount of different things that overlapped each other while we was just sitting here looking all this stuff up, it, it's no wonder people give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to do our best to try to help round this out for you and make it a little simpler. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the goal, but... Uh, Bottom line is, it's going to take all of us to make a change. Yes. And it's just, if you can't sit around anymore, the Democrats and the current administration, they have been pulling punches, I'm going to say, since Reagan was shot in 1984 with the Brady Act. That may not be uh, anybody else's thought, but, you know, when I was a little kid running around and you see the neighbors with... Uh, if guns are outlawed, only outlaws have guns, and you're eight, ten years old, and you see that on a bumper sticker, and you think, wow, he's really nuts. No, folks, he's not nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides that, I've become that person now, probably worse than he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, the simple fact of the matter is, we are here, we have the guaranteed rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a very large part of happiness is being alive. And if you need want to protect your family, you want to protect yourself, if you want to hunt, it's none of the government's business what you decide to do it with. Mm-hmm. You know, again, nobody, we don't think anti-aircraft guns and tanks. And Probably wouldn't be much left of that deer if you used yeah. anti-aircraft <laughs> weapons to, <laughs> to take it out, but uh, yeah. might not be too much you know meat left on that. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think... It's just extremely important that we maintain all of our, you know, rights, all of those amendments that are within the Bill of Rights. We've got to maintain them all because they are all there for a very, very important reason. The uh, the thing that gets pointed out all the time is the AR-15, and it's a military weapon. No, it's not a military weapon. The M-16 is a military weapon, and the Mm -hmm. M-4 is a military weapon. It is a civilian version. It is not automatic. No matter what the news say, no matter how long the Democrats say it, you can't say it's an automatic weapon and make it one. It just don't work that way. You have to pull the trigger each time you want something to happen. That's Mm -hmm. semi-automatic, no matter how you look at it. The other thing is, uh, we'll get into uh, H.R. 127 Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, this is H.R. 127 is the final legislation so far now they could still introduce something else but hr 127 is the final legislation that's active in the house right now this one has not passed the house it has not moved on to um, the senate yet however it's extremely important to pay attention to because it is i mean there's a lot going on in hr 127 yes the uh again it is another 
licensing and registration, they pulled the majority of it out to make HR 8. But the idea of this, a lot of them came from HR 5717 from last year's Senate. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've taken these and basically split it into three bills and they're, they're trying to come at it from every angle, hoping to get at least something passed. Uh, HR 127 against... It's uh, the Firearm Licensing and Registration Act. Yeah. Uh, it is a long one. It establishes a process for licensing and registration of firearms. It also prohibits the possession of certain ammunition and large capacity ammunition feeding devices. Uh, I won't be calling them ammunition feeding devices from from now on. That's a, obviously a political thing. Uh, they are clips to me. They always mm -hmm. will be clips. But under this, first, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives must establish in one licensing system for the possession of firearms or ammunition. You want to have to have a license to buy ammo as well as possess the firearm. The registration system for firearms, in addition to the Department of Justice, must establish and maintain publicly available database of all registered firearms. I want to read this part again. In addition, the Department of Justice must establish and maintain a publicly available database of all registered firearms. Getting gun you own, the cops, the fire department, Every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and, and Eileen will know that you have your gun because in it, and where you store it because mm -hmm. it'll be required also under this bill. Yeah. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Different route bill. Next, the bill creates you know, the bill creates licensing requirements for possession of a firearm and ammunition. Again, you have to have a license for both. Department of Justice shall issue such a license if the individual is 21 years of age or older which effectively ends anybody from 18 to 20 under the gun. They can go off to war, but they can't have a gun. Undergoes criminal background check, which is already given. Psychological evaluation. Uh, complete certified training course. That will be a government mandate. Training course hasn't been set up yet. Uh, and have, you must have an insurance policy. Well, guess who it's going to be payable to? It's going to be payable to the United States government. And it will be a fee of $800 a year we came across. Yeah. Just uh, to, uh, you have to, it's a mandatory. To have a gun. Yeah, mandatory. Mandatory insurance. So they're, they're not going to get the gun. They're just going to tax you, tax you from, uh, to the point that you can't afford to keep it. Mm -hmm. I mean, ammunition's already been, the cost of ammunition has skyrocketed so significantly yeah. that, you might own a gun, but you might not be able to afford the ammunition to, yeah. to put well, in it. If you want to buy another gun, under this one, uh, you'll go from a 10% tax on your rifle to a 30% tax. Ammunition will be taxed at a rate of 50%. And again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Like I said, this one rouses me up some. Also, outlines circumstances under which the Department of Justice must deny a license. The individual is hospitalized with a mental illness. It also establishes additional requirements for antique firearm display license and military style license. And under military style license, the one ones I've read, uh, it'll cost you $200, possibly per year, to keep your AR-15. 
And of course, you'll have to have it registered and they'll have to know where it's at at all times. So that way, if they decide they want it, they can just come and get it. Mm -hmm. uh, the bill generally prohibits and penalizes possession of a firearm or ammunition unless the individual complies with licensing and registration requirements, meaning you all have to carry all that paperwork with you at all times to show it's your firearm, it's where it's supposed to be. Further, it prohibits transfer of firearm or ammunition to an unlicensed person. If you want to give it to your son, if you want to give it to your wife, if you want to give it to your friend, unless it goes through the FFL like HR8, you're uh, the same as selling it to a convict. Finally, it generally prohibits and penalizes the possession of ammunition that is 50 caliber or greater. Uh, all you guys with uh, S&W 500s, you're not going to be able to get ammo if this passes. I know there's fewer 50 BMGs out there than there are. Those are $5,000 guns, but you won't be able to buy ammo for it. I haven't delved into it, but when it comes right down to it, uh, if you can't sell 50 caliber ammo, I guess 50 caliber muzzle loaders are also out the door. But, uh, which goes in comparison. We're not shooting muzzle loaders today. Well, yeah, we still shoot muzzle loaders as well as other guns. And the possession of a large capacity ammunition feed device will also be outlawed. That will be 10 or more. I don't see anywhere where it'll be uh, your Glocks with 13 or 15 clip shell clips. I'm, I'm not sure where that'll fall in. But given the way the rest of these laws read, I would assume that you're going to have to say goodbye to those as well. You may not. Uh, I do not know that for sure. But it strongly looks like they're coming after us for all the guys. Yes, I definitely agree. They are coming after us. Um, and it's been happening for a long time. And it's, it's not just, you know, other representatives from other states. I, I know we oftentimes might see some of our representatives you know, with a picture of themselves holding a rifle or maybe out, you know, while they're hunting or something like that. But we have to not just look at those, um, you know, those media things that are put out there in front of us to kind of sway us one way or another or make us believe a certain thing. We have to look at how they vote. We have to look at the legislation and the way that they voted in it. We have to look at what legislation they introduce because that tells us whether they are truly representing us and, you know, doing and, and putting out legislation that we want to have out there, not just stuff they do. And with that, I'll, I'll say I did read an article from Brett Bart, and I will link it and as well as, you know, several other articles in the show notes. But this article was about how Democrats need a yes vote on gun control from Joe Manchin. And it says in the very beginning of the article, the background check gun controls, which were introduced in the House last week, which they're talking about H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446. This article is from uh, early March. So the gun controls, which were introduced in the House last week, bring back Senator Joe Manchin's 2013 gun control push and make his support for the current legislation crucial to Democrat success. So in this article, and, I, and like I said, I'll link it, it talks about Clear back in 2013, how he started to introduce legislation then about background checks and things that some people can, can look at and say are infringing upon your Second Amendment rights. And it wasn't just in 2013. Again, in 2015, he's in an, an interview where he's talking about how gun control, um, specifically how gun control push as something that made sense and something that makes in 2013 and something that makes sense now. That was 2015. 2019, again, Manchin comes out and says 
that Trump could make America safe again by giving Republicans political cover to support gun control. So basically he's saying if Trump tells the Republicans it's okay to support gun control, that you know we'll be able to get this legislation passed. I'm paraphrasing, of course. That's not his quote. But that's pretty much, I think, what he meant by his quote. Um, so, you know, he has a history of introducing and supporting legislation that doesn't necessarily support our Second Amendment rights. So that's something we have to be aware of, and it makes it even more important that we do what we can do to hold our representatives accountable and do the research, look into this legislation, look into what they're introducing, look into how they're voting, and let them know how we feel about their votes. Not just let, you know, I, we definitely need to contact them ahead of time and let them know how we want them to vote. But we also need to let them know when they vote in a way that does represent us. Like all three of the House delegates that are currently in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., all three West Virginia representatives in the House voted no for both H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446. We need to let them know that we, we appreciate that. We appreciate the fact that they've represented us well and that they voted in a way that represents what we want. So I am going to include in the show notes how you can contact your representatives. Um, it'll be all three of the House of Representatives um, delegates as well as Manchin and Capito. We definitely want to encourage you to, to reach out to them, especially Manchin right now. Let him know how you feel about these gun control issues. He's going to be voting very soon on H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446. He needs to know how you feel about it and how you want him to vote. And the, uh, they're not just coming after assault rifles. AR-15s. You notice lately they have a new keyword that they're taught they're all weapons of war. If you, it won't just be the black plastic things again. It'll be, uh, it'll be rather anything you can attack the war, which is from the beginning of history is any gun, period. And, you know, if you don't believe that they're not going to come after you, I'd like to play this little clip from Biden. We'll wrap the show, but make sure you contact all, all the ones that Leo said are House Representatives people, Capetto and Manson, because folks, we don't, we're fighting a losing battle. We may be fighting a losing battle anyway, but at least our voice will be heard. Gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo, you're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. If you liked today's episode, be sure to check out other episodes of Mountain State Patriot. This podcast is available on most popular podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to let your friends know about us too, and subscribe to get notifications when new episodes are uploaded. I also want to invite you to reach out to me if you have comments or questions about today's topics. You can leave a recorded voice message by visiting the Anchor webpage of this podcast at anchor.fm backslash mspatriot. Or you can email me at mspatriotpodcast at protonmail.com. Until next time, Patriots, stay connected and remember, we're in this together.